Well, hey there, and thank you for checking out episode 12 of No Guitar Is Safe. And while I may know absolutely nothing about you, I have a feeling I can guess one thing. If you're like most guitar players, you probably love some good funk guitar. I mean, isn't it kind of true? Nobody can resist a good funk guitar groove, whether you're a musician or not. It's just undeniable. You just feel it. Doesn't matter what style you're into. You might be a shredder, a country player, blues player, pop player. When you hear that groove, you just got to move. And who better to represent funk guitar than Mike Scott? Mike is one of the funkiest guitar players I've personally encountered on this green earth. But don't take my word for it. You could ask Prince, Justin Timberlake, Rihanna, all these great band leaders, Sean Puffy Combs, P. Diddy, whatever his current name is. Mike Scott has worked with all of them for one reason, which is that he is just plain funky. That's Mike and I jamming on a little Ohio Players. You know the song. Fire. Cool riff. Mike kind of puts a little twist on there, playing it up a fourth or something. We get into a lot of cool jams on this thing, I think. It's a cool episode. Sitting down with a guy like Mike is just too much fun. You know, he's a very inspiring cat. He takes life by the horns, and he uh, takes adventure when it comes his way. A perfect example is in front of his house in Florida, where he lives with his lovely wife, Rachel, and their adorable two-month-old daughter, Aubrey. In front of there is an awesome RV that's basically the size of a tour bus, and the story of how they got is kind of entertaining. They were on the road with Justin Timberlake's band, I don't know, last year or something, and uh, it was just getting a little crowded in the band bus, and spontaneously, Mike tells the driver, hey, stop, see that uh, RV dealership across the highway? Drop me up there. And he just hops out and buys an RV on the spot. Buys his own tour bus. So they finished the tour that way. And uh, now they have this cool thing they can visit their house in uh, New Jersey. Just hop in the, uh, in the RV. Live in the American dream. But you'll hear all kinds of other adventures that Mike has been on in this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks again to Guitar Player Magazine for supporting this podcast. Let's just get right to it and fire up the chopper. Head over to Mike's house in hot, sunny Florida. I do care about the audio, so we did turn off the central air conditioning, because even when that seems silent, you can often hear it on these recordings. But we do turn on the fan occasionally, so you might hear a little fan noise. Also, we're just throwing down in there. Sometimes Mike drifts off the microphone. I do my best to boost it when that happens, so you can hear what he's saying. You know, Mike, you can only hope to contain him. That's the best, because he is so funky. And uh, yeah, I really had a great time. Hope you enjoy this. Thank you. 
want to hear your fills and stuff on that. That's cool, man. It's like you're playing bass and guitar at the same time and getting the best of both worlds. Yeah, I play bass too. Um, uh, I did uh, I did some bass on uh, a Michael Jackson track, one of his post humus tracks uh, really? that they did on their last album. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Love Never Felt So Good song that Timberland and Justin produced. I played bass on that. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. You play guitar in it too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I play guitar too. I figured too. you yeah, did. Me, so you were yeah. there and they like handed yeah. you a bass too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Elliot played, Elliot, uh, you know, the other guitar Elliot player. Ives, yeah. yeah. Elliot Ives, yeah. So what, I love this, this little like octopus tone you got going on there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Yeah. What pedals you got going? Got that uh, Micropog by Electroharmonix going on. That's where that uh, octave is coming from. Yeah. And it's uh, cool because you can do chords with it too. And it's. Yeah. So I got that going on, along with this uh, MXR envelope filter. It's, it's, it's the uh, bass envelope filter, actually, by MXR. Right. So combining the two of those, you get that... Awesome. And what's the your right your right foot's on a pedal? Which oh, you got, just the volume, just the volume running. Yeah, it's uh, that visual volume pedal because, uh, as you know, Jude, on those yeah. big stages, it can get dark, and that song will be counting off, and you're like, "What? Like, Where's my volume at?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. I don't know. You know, you know, yeah. some of the gigs that I do require different volumes. Oh yeah, you got. I mean, sure it's got you, a beautiful yeah. LED meter. Yeah, it's got yeah. Like so ten you know, LEDs. Yeah. Visual's been around for a minute. Visual sound. They got some nice distortion stuff too. And of course, I love your PRS. You got hollow body. Yeah, you know that's my axe of choice. That one says Mike Scott on the on the headstock there. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, one of their private stocks. Um, and uh, on the last Justin tour, here's a horror story for you. I came to the gig for sound check and bad shit. I got my tech bad shit. I got something to show you. You open the case and the whole this was all smashed in. Uh, evidently, one of the truckers got in a crash and a bunch of gear. Cases oh, came man. up and smashed a bunch of gear, and I I just closed it, man. I, I went in the corner, <laughs> I cried, and but uh, uh, Beverly from Paul Reed Smith came, and they said they have a reconstruction guy, and he did this piece. If you notice the red, that's what color the finish used to be. It used to be red on the top. Yeah. And they had the they had some guy, and he re, he put every piece of wood in here. Amazing. Yeah, it, it looks. They did a good job. I mean, oh. if for anyone who hasn't seen one of these hollow bodies, it looks like a cello top. Yeah, well, holes and well, semi hollow. It had a uh, it had a rolling synth in there, and they forgot to put that back in. They they called Badge and they said, "You want the synth back in?" Yeah. And he said, uh, "Yeah, leave it." 
he meant leave it as it was, and they right. thought he meant leave it out. <laughs> so they right. didn't put it. They didn't put it back. But uh, yeah, these are, this is my actual choice, man. Les Paul got a little too heavy for me in my yeah. old age. <laughs> no, those things are they play like so. Yeah, like, play like butter, and they just inspire those PRSs, man. They really just yeah, the PRS stuff. Is like I don't know. I, I'm, when we get done, I need to show you. Uh, I'm sure you've seen. Oh, you got a Neil Sean model. That's beautiful. Uh, it's got the ghost piezo in the bridge. Yeah, that one and dangerous there. It's got, of course, it's got the Floyd Rose lock and trim on there, or yeah. some kind of lock and trim. Yeah, it's nice. That's a nice little uh, yeah. semi hollow body by PRS. Oh, and I love the uh, kind of acoustic pickup piezo system on yeah. that too. Now you talk about those big stages. You play on the biggest of the big. Like when I first saw you, it was with Prince, and you were having a funky good time up there. And then, uh, then you invited me later when I met you. We saw a Justin Timberlake tour and checked that whole thing out in you know in the round. That Future Sex Love tour. And then what else have you? And you've done that. You've been all over the world like ten times over, <laughs> Justin. Yeah. yeah. And I know you play with other great artists too, like Rihanna and. Who yes, else? the Rihanna thing uh, was short-lived, uh, but it was um, we. Were, she was about to tour Australia. I got in the band with her just briefly till they found out how old I was. <laughs> oh man, don't don't <laughs> yeah, scare long, me. Long story there. You serious? Yeah, what and it, it wasn't hers or management. It's a long story. So you feel like they it would, they were, they were a little bit ageist or something? Well, they were trying to. From what the MD told me, they were trying to keep a certain. They were trying to keep a young demographic yeah. look. And when I submitted my passport. To, for the Australian tour, all of a sudden they were like, "Oh, you know what? We don't need two guitar players now. We only need one." And then uh, a couple of months later, Justin did a his uh, Shriners charity gig, and Rihanna was on it. And yeah. she came over and gave me a hug. She said, "How come you're not in my band anymore?" And I was like, uh, "You didn't." And then the MD wow. told me later, he said, "Man, they they just thought you were too old." <laughs> well, that is a harsh Hollywood <laughs> lesson right yeah. there, man. Yeah, it is. You're not old. I was forty something then. I was like forty six. You don't seem anywhere near 46. Yeah, but you don't want to know how old I really am. I think the whole band was under 30, though, at that time. And, but right. she, had, she had no idea that I, was, you know, that I wasn't even in a band. And she didn't know what had happened. So one yeah. of those, yeah, that was a horror story. Yeah. That was kind of a bummer, I would imagine. Yeah, it was cool. But I met my yeah. wife, so I met my wife on that gig. So. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so that was yeah. the one thing that came out of that. And now you have a brand new baby. She's brand new almost baby. two months old. Yeah, Aubrey. Aubrey. I love Ray that photo Brown. you sent out of like a sonogram, which she apparently has a PRS in the womb. Yeah, from the sonogram. Yeah. I don't. My wife Rachel did that. <laughs> she uh, she photoshopped that the PRS hollow body in there, and uh, well, Paul Reed Smith and uh, everybody over there, Win Crozak, they loved it. They were like, "Wow, that's that was pretty cool." Showed it to a bunch of my friends. She put it on a Facebook actually on my website. <laughs> well, I'll definitely post links to your pages, and also I'm going to put that photo up on the uh, no guitar is safe facebook page oh very cool very cool <laughs> no guitar is safe. oh very cool yeah and like i mean that's kind of how i picture you coming out of the womb with a guitar <laughs> in hand like you just play so funky man oh, i mean you're man. so groovy it's just like the pocket is i've been really looking forward to this interview for a long time just oh that's to hang cool out. you yeah you have been uh i, I thought at first we don't, weren't gonna pull it off you know i just didn't think that our schedules would allow it but oh you, you were very it. persistent about it so Oh, yeah, man. Rented a car. Came yeah, you over did. here. Yeah, you did. You did. Got really lucky because our flight out of Florida today here, here in Orlando is not until 4.35 p.m. And that never happens. Great, that's a great thing. Yeah, our manager. an a.m. flight, right? He usually gets a 6 a.m. flight, man. Yeah. You get back from the gig around 12.30. Yeah. 
you're packing, you're energized, you're not even ready. You're, you're not, not even, even ready. sleep. No, no. You know, because then you leave the hotel at like 3.30 yeah, or 4. Yeah, yeah. So, man, so blessed that I get to jam with you today. Well, that's cool, man. Thanks I'm glad you're here. I'm, I was looking forward to it, too. <laughs> I was stressing about it because, like I told you, uh, I've been playing baby more than playing guitar. I've been uh, uh, playing change diapers and hold a baby and get her to sleep rather than <laughs> playing the guitar. So I hear you, man. I that's had a, to knock the dust off the chops to... Uh, Oh shit, dude! Yours, it's just like it's so there. Every you know, it's I know how all, all guitar players feel like. Man, I haven't played in a while, but it's just all right there. Let's play something right now. Let's play, okay, let's, let's play, play a Prince tune. What, what was one of your favorite Prince grooves to play? Well, uh, there was a, you know Prince has an arsenal of songs. That long as uh, I know they're all yeah. <laughs> I love sexy. Sexy MF was one of my favorites. So that yeah. uh. You know that thing. Sexy motherfucker. You got to sing it, man. <laughs> oh, I didn't know if I could uh, go there. <laughs> yeah, sexy motherfucker. And uh, another, uh, of course, an yeah. all-time favorite for everyone was... You know what that is. <laughs> got the bass kind of going on. funky <laughs> and you run today you're running through this hughes and kettner yeah hughes and kettner is the two meister 36 yeah i think it's yeah, very the pretty little, looking the little i uh was doing uh, the triumph by them they sent that little tiny one that little one's a beast it's pretty nice nice head yeah so now did you come from a musical family how did you get started doing this well 
my dad used to always tell me he played drums when I was a little kid. I never, ever heard him play drums, but his mom told me he played drums at some point. Uh, right. But there's no one in my family musical. No one. No, my sister. Right. It's just me, my sister, mom, and dad. No musical in my family. But uh, I did have a, when I was a little, little kid, uh, I had to be like nine or ten. Me and my sister had a babysitter we used to go to after school, and her boyfriend right. played guitar. Right. So he would play with me, and we I made a connection with this dude. And then they, they played, his band played in the park in my neighborhood one day, and I, he was playing the guitar. And I'm standing in front of him, I'm like, oh my God, what is this amazing thing he's doing, you know? Yeah. And he, uh, you know, he was playing a Strat, and uh, he was just, I was, you know, blown away. If he had been playing flute, I'd probably be playing flute. If he had been playing tuba, I'd probably be playing, I'd be a tuba player. Fortunately, yeah. he was playing guitar. Uh, 11 years old, I started doing the, I started playing guitar. We went and picked out the, uh, went to the music store, did the guitar amp, like a Sears or something guitar and a little amp, and I had to get the speech all the way home. Boy, you better, this better not be like, you know, yeah. I better not find this thing sitting in the corner, you know, two weeks from now. You better play this thing after I spent right, all right. that money. You know that speech you get. <laughs> Yeah, they cost a little bit more than a skateboard or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you know how when you're a kid, yeah. you, you do something for a couple of days, and then you're sitting in the corner either broken or you yeah. are already bored with it. But <clears throat> So where were you living back in then? In Washington, D.C., born and raised, yeah. uh, lived there for 30 years. Started taking guitar lessons. I went to Bill Harris uh, School of uh, Guitar when I was uh, about 11. My parents yeah. used to strap my little guitar on the back of my bike, and I'd ride <laughs> my bike over to the these hourly guitar lessons at Bill Harris's School of uh, Music. So, you know, they just taught me enough to get me started. Started playing with some band in uh, elementary school. And uh, I remember playing cool. at my sixth grade graduation. I played uh, one string. Wait, I can't even play it now. <laughs> Let's lean on yeah. me. Yeah, totally. And the whole school sang along while I was on stage, nervous as heck. But it, back then, I couldn't even play chords. I was just playing. Just <laughs> playing the one Yeah. Well, just, I got a funny story, dude. I'm heading to the funny story. So <laughs> the guy who started me playing guitar, who was my um, babysitter's boyfriend, much older than me. He was in his, uh, he had to be in his early 20s. And so I went to his house one day, and I was like, look, I got a guitar, and I, I can play. You know, I'm playing one string stuff. Yeah. I'm playing on one string. And he's like, you got to play some chords. You got to learn some chords. And. You know, he sent me out. He said, "You're wasting your time. You know, go play basketball and be a kid, and stop wasting your time. You you can't play. You you know you suck." So I went home, cried, went home, and a year later, I came and took his gig in his band. Uh oh. <laughs> I went home. I rehearsed. I swear, I put my hand on Bible. Uh, he played in this band in my neighbor. The band I went to go see. Right. I, I took his gig. <laughs> oh man, well you I know. Got his gig, and uh, well, first they let me in the band as a second guitar player, and of course he. Was hating on me because you know that kid can't play. Why you got him in the band? And they see, you know, he wasn't in the band no more, and I had a gig. So yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> well, you brought the groove, I'm yeah. sure, man. But uh, yeah, I grew up in playing in bands in D.C. Uh, I stayed there till I was 30 years old, and then uh, this band was going to Minneapolis. I think I told you this story. Wait, wait, this band was going to Minneapolis. I want to ask you about one of the coolest genres of music that few people are into, which is that go-go funk from. Oh yeah. 
DC. Now yeah. you played some of that stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I used to play with uh, Experience Unlimited on occasion. Actually, me and Michelle and Degiocello used to play yeah. in uh, the great bassist. Uh, yeah, we used to play in Lil Benny and the Masters back in the seventies. Her and yeah. I did. It was which was a very popular go-go band. And Chuck Brown was, of course, uh, the king, the godfather yeah. of go-go. Yeah. There were a lot of go-go bands back then, but Little Benny and the Masters was one of the more successful ones in D.C. There was Chuck, Experience Unlimited, Trouble Funk, Little Benny. And I was with Little Benny with Michelle. And that is that the was funkiest a nice feel. Show, can you demonstrate, what is go-go feel? Go-go is like, uh, it's like a tribal kind of beat. Uh, So the the, yeah. the percussion player, I'm playing the bongo because yeah. I was in go-go bands that didn't have a percussion player. But the drums and the percussion is what drives go-go music. Yeah. So the rhythms that the percussion player would play yeah. would make would make it make you want to dance. You know, depending exactly. on, you know if he was going. I totally hear that. The one, the one string is the low um, bongo, and the other yeah, string is the high exactly, bongo that you're exactly. playing there. Yeah, and just like, and the biggest snare drum in those grooves. Yeah, yeah. So the drummer and the percussion player would carry the groove. The band would hardly play anything, you know. It was just about like, uh, Chuck Brown had this song that went, uh, went... That's all the band did. Yeah. Yeah. What was the name of that song? Do um, I don't remember. I want to hear a little bit of it. And it did have a bridge that went like that. And then he had this little turnaround chord. See, the cool thing about Chuck, yeah. it made Chuck's band the best go-go band. He was a gobble because Chuck was a jazz cat. Yeah. And he used to do like Moody's Mood, uh, go-go. I know you heard him do Moody's yeah, Mood. Yeah, I've heard like uh, Take the Chuck Train or something. Who does, go, who does go-go <laughs> with jazz over top of it, right? So Chuck yeah. was doing chords like that. He, and, you know, the whole 13th yeah. thing. And the, so the other bands would follow suit. You know, rather, and that's how Gogol became what it what it is to you know today. But it's yeah. it's morphed into that was. Uh, I went to see Chuck Brown when I was thirteen, and I'm fifty four now. So, uh, <laughs> it, you know, when I was uh, about eighteen, there was a great band in the Bay Area called the Limbo Maniacs, and okay. they they. We didn't have go-go in the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, but they played that shit. They played it. And they, it sounded and he, great. And y'all were blown away, weren't you? Oh, yeah. It was the best. Because <laughs> yeah. you could kind of headbang to it, but you could dance to it. Too. Yeah. It was like yeah. heavy. It's and just like you talk about, huge chords and then space. Yeah, space. Yeah. And the drummer, yeah. the drummer never stops. Like if yeah. the band plays for an hour, the drummer does not stop. Not for anything. He just plays and the percussion player doesn't stop because that's where all the rhythm is. It's based around those African rhythms with uh, yeah. minimal music on the top, you know. Uh Chuck's biggest hit busting loose. I know you know yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. Dump, bump, ba da 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 dump. Yeah. yeah. Wind me up, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, Chuck uh, was a bad dude. Yeah, he just passed away not too yeah, long ago, yeah. a couple of years back. Yeah. Um 
But so we all know who you met in the purple town of Minneapolis. But how did you get how did you get out to Minneapolis? That's an, that's another interesting story. It was back. It was '92, and uh, a band. It was a band in D.C. that did the Marriott circuit. And, you know that. You know there were certain bands that were doing that. Playing like they the were hotels. Very, they were hotel very, lounges. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were doing all the back when that was really popular. Um, and it was a band called Radiant, and uh, they were headed to Minnesota to do a three month, you know, lounge gig. And uh, this bass player Kevin Walker called me up. And he said, man, um, this, you know, Radiance needs a guitar player in Minnesota because their guitar player can't go. And it was a Saturday. I remember like it was yesterday because it was the biggest, you know, because, dude, in your life, I feel like this. I feel like you have opportunities that come up. They're like a window that's going around in a circle. And you can either jump through that window or you can be scared and don't go through it. And it'll come back around, but it may come back around years later. Or you may have missed the biggest opportunity in your life. So right. Kevin called me on a Friday, Saturday, and he said, man, I need to know by Sunday night because we're leaving Monday. And I was like, uh, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they picked me up Monday, and we piled into a Ford Escort with drums. Mark Stewart, uh, Kevin Walker had his bass and his rig, and I had my amp and my rig, and we all had clothes. And we were all in piled in there for... <laughs> The next 18 hours from D.C. to Minnesota. Radiant did uh, the Marriott thing. It broke up. And uh, while we were there, I realized Prince was there. Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis was there. The time was hanging out there. You know, uh, there was so much opportunity. The Sounds of Blackness were there. So when the band went back to D.C., I said, man, I am not leaving. I found a cheap hotel. And I stayed in there, buried my food in the snow. I didn't have any money. What? Yeah, man. It was, uh, you know, it was freezing cold in Minnesota. It was like 20 below. Uh, yeah. And so you could put food out in the snow, and yeah. it would be there. <laughs> it would be there the Nobody knew day. where it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you so, cover it up with more snow? No, the man. That's the, it was snow. Back then in 92, it was snow in October, and that same yeah. snow would be there till March yeah, or totally. April. That same snow bank would be there. So totally. You didn't have to, you know. <laughs> But anyway, I did that, and then opportunities started happening. Uh, I started playing with, I started going and sitting in with local bands, and uh, finally I got with uh, the Sounds of Blackness, who were produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. What was that stuff like? That that was a, uh, they were very. The Sounds of Blackness was on top of their game back then in the nineties. Jam and Lewis were kind of like the Timberland of today. Yeah, yeah. They were they when are. I got with Jam and Lewis, they were like, "Oh my God, a guitar player! We need a guitar player." So and they produced so many hits. Who, who oh are some of the God. other man? Look, I, I did Lionel Richie, uh, Mary J. Blige, uh, two or three albums with Janet Jackson, Patti LaBelle. I mean, the list I, it just goes on. I was just going from studio to studio. They had a studio A, B, C, and D. I'd finish in one studio and I'd go to the next studio. Then I'd finish in that studio. They need me in another studio, and uh, man, it was just. Every day, I'd be at flight time from, like, midnight. Whenever I got done with my local gig, I'd be at flight time till 6 in the morning, you know, just cutting tracks. And it was just, the money was just coming in and just playing. And every damn near every song that played on the radio, I was playing on. It was a really cool time back in the What are some examples of these hit songs? Um, Janet did a Velvet Rope album. Uh, Lionel had a couple of hits out. Boys to Men, I did uh, a, a, a whole album with Boys to Men. No, New Edition. It was New Edition I did. New yeah. Edition. It was just, it yeah. was just, it was so many songs. Mary J. Blige had a yeah. few hits out. Janet yeah. was the biggest thing that, uh, right. uh, that Velvet Rope album was about the biggest thing. You know, my friends would call me and say, Man, is that you playing on this song? Is that you playing on this song? <laughs> I could tell that's you playing on, you know, and I was, yeah. uh, it, was, it was a cool time. It was really cool through the 90s because Jam and Lewis were. 
they were the hottest producers at that time. Totally. And then it just it just dried up. Just like, you know, you can name a million producers. It happens in the music business a lot. I feel yeah. it does. I yeah, mean, I'm sure you agree with me. Uh, Everyone you, would. Yeah, everybody it. has their five minutes of fame, I would call it. And yeah. it, it just, it's over one day. <laughs> it's, just, it's just over. So did you feel the scene kind of dried up a little bit? Uh, in, well, for Jam and Lewis, things changed. I don't know what happened. Uh, we did a couple of movie soundtracks. I'm still getting uh, nice royalty checks from that kind of stuff. But all of a sudden, one day, there was just tumbleweeds out there. There was, uh, you know, the oh, people man. weren't coming anymore. I guess because there were so many different new producers doing what they do. But, yeah. you know, Jam Lewis had their, they had their heyday. They, you know, they had their time when they were just on top of it, just like Prince. Prince was on top of his game at one point. Then all of a sudden, Prince was old news. And Prince is one of the baddest artists of our of our generation. You know, you, you can't yeah. ever deny him. Just like Michael Jackson. Michael was one of the baddest artists of our generation. But one day they just aren't anymore, you know. Yeah, but music. they usually have resurgences like Prince yeah. and yeah. Michael well, if from they, many generations. If they can transcend with the, with the you know, that's, that's what's been, because I've uh, been fortunate enough to work with producers like Jam Lewis and everything in between and work with a producer like Timberland. I've been working with Timberland since... Uh, uh, I started with Justin because Justin's album before The Future Sex was produced by Timbaland. So then I started doing stuff with Timbaland. And Timbaland is one of the few producers that's just able to transcend with the, with the times, with the music. He's changing as the music's changing, right. which is keeping him extremely current. And I, uh, Teddy Riley, Jamie Lewis, uh, Prince, I can name a million artists. They just, they won't change. They just need to, if Prince would just get with... Uh, I hope uh, Prince don't be offended. If he would just get with somebody like Timberland, he'd be back in the game just like that. <clears throat> but he just, he likes to write and produce his own music. And I don't know, I just, you know, just like your parents yeah. used to say, to, their parents used to say to them, turn that Beatles crap off. What the heck? Those guys are a bunch of drug addicts and that noise music, <laughs> you know. But to your, to your parents, the Beatles were the greatest thing that happened. And so today... People like Prince and myself, we probably don't enjoy a lot of the music that comes out today. We think it's crap. So, you know, Jam and Lewis yeah. probably think a lot of this is crap because the music they wrote was 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 groundbreaking back then. But yeah, you know, it's everything just, changes. I mean, everything changes. There's a lot less everything. guitar in yeah. some of the new funk, it's funk and soul and pop. A lot of less guitar. Because they, you know, I interviewed Nile Rodgers once, and he really talked about how those kind of elements, even. Drums, hi-hat and stuff have been replaced a lot by kind of samples and stuff where you can kind of get the same percussive element without the actual instrumentalist. Man, if you were listening to some of this new stuff that's, that's the, that the kids are listening to, which I do because I'm still in the genre of that generation. Yeah. You know, I, I have to, uh, to, to play with people like Justin and Timbaland. I have to kind of keep listening to that crap. And man, music <laughs> today, there's not, hardly any drums in it. There's... There's just sounds. There's, yeah, the beat is almost gone now. It's, it used to be about beats a while back, and now it's just it's just sounds. There's a lot and, of sound design. Yeah, sound design. And yeah. Uh, but I mean, these artists they never really go away. Prince, I mean, he's just no. Prince is still. If someone goes to see the concert, it'll be the best concert oh, yeah, of their life. The, you know, <laughs> I still see people go see Prince, and they leave these concerts crying. I went with um, Justin's band on the last tour. He was playing in London, and we were in London. And most of the band was crying. They were like, I have never seen anything like that. And I, was, I was tripping. I was like, wow, what's wrong with you all? We all got back on the bus, and they were, they were sitting there crying. The singers and stuff, they were crying. The band, they were like so moved by 
the artistry of this guy. And, you know, they were like, yeah. I've never seen it. I'm like, you've been in this business your whole life. And, you know, wow. I'm, I, I was just surprised to see. You're not surprised. Prince is Prince. There's only yeah. one Prince. There's only one. You yes, can't man. deny him. You know, he may not have anything uh, on the radio that's playing for these uh, 10 to 20-year-olds, uh, but he's still one of the baddest uh, artists of our true. time. And you got you, you can't deny it. And you, I, when I saw him, I was like in the back of this or giant arena and you were yeah. playing it didn't matter that you were so far away but you were both moving so funkily that it was like i could totally feel what you were playing and prince was a prince was a uh uh man he was like uh i've i've uh i've learned a lot from a lot of people including yourself jude you one of the baddest guitar players <laughs> on the planet i have to i tell people I that know. all the time as paul Kenner in my band would say let's not get carried away <laughs> No, it's nice Prince, Prince was a uh, man, and, and just to, I was—I have to say—I was blessed to be able to to work with him and uh, study with him because you know our styles were different but similar. You know, it was about funk, yeah. and all he had to do was teach me how he wanted me to be funky, uh, combined with what I already knew how to be funky, and it worked out. It just was uh, that was my five minutes of fame right there. Fifteen oh. minutes was it? Fifteen minutes or was it five now? <laughs> oh, you got way more than fifteen well, minutes. Well, I mean. People remember me more with Prince than uh, you know. Well, first even of all, Justin, how did you meet this character, Prince? Yeah. How well, that's another interesting story. <laughs> that's what another I'm window that stories. came by that I almost let go by, and you're gonna really laugh at this one. I was uh, playing, you know, as I said, I started playing with a lot of bands in Minnesota. Like uh, I don't know if you know David Berry, guitar player. He used to play with Janet Jackson. He played with Cher for quite some time. Really, uh. He was like the top of the food chain in Minnesota. There's Dave, David Berry, and then there's this guy named Billy Franzi. And then, there, you know, Prince, of course, but I'm talking about in the right. local scene. Yeah. Dave Berry. And so Dave was playing with Janet, and then he was playing with Cher, making millions of dollars. And he had to leave town to go play with uh, Cher on a Cher tour, Janet tour. And uh, he was with this band called the Stud Brothers, one of the biggest groups in Minnesota doing the local club thing. Right. They had an audition, you know, a citywide audition. And uh, luckily, praise God, I kicked everybody's ass and got that gig. And once I got that gig, it opened up a lot of doors in Minnesota because Dave was the top of the food chain. And here this yeah. new black guy from D.C. came in town, and he's kicking everybody's butt. So I started getting all these gigs. In Minnesota, which led to a gig that I was with uh, with this guy Kirk Johnson, and Kirk was the drummer with Prince at the time. Uh, but we also had a little side band. So one day I had a gig with my Thursday gig at the club, and uh, Kirk called me and said, "Hey man, you want to come out? Uh, you know, you want to come out and jam with Prince this evening?" I was like, "Oh man, I got to be at this gig at nine. And he said, "Uh, can you come out? You know, you know, about uh, eight o'clock, and we're gonna, you know, jam." I was like, ah, I can't make it, man. I got a gig. I got a little $100 playing gig, probably 80-buck gig. So I'm sitting there getting ready for this gig, and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm about to blow this opportunity to meet Prince to go play this $80 gig. And it was like, you know, you know, Jude, I, I was just trying to be a faithful musician. You can't oh, yeah. call and just pull out of a gig. That would be like you calling a starship saying, hey, man, I can't make it. And it's an hour before the gig. I yeah. can't make it because I got to go do another gig. They, they, they'd hit you oh, over yeah, the head you gotta, with your amp. So I ended up calling this guy and said, Bobby, I can't make it. I got to, you know, I, they want me to come out and play at Paisley. And he's mad as hell, of course. Said, Man, what am I supposed to do? The show's like an hour. You know, I can't even. I didn't care. So I went I went and set up it with Prince. And uh, 
They were just in the room jamming. Cat uh, Dyson was playing guitar, then yeah, Rhonda Smith yeah, was playing. You know, Cat. Cat was told me I made her very nervous that day. So anyway, they were just jamming, and he just let me. Uh, I had a red three thirty five. He just wanted. They were just jamming. So wait, you walk in, you go to Prince's studio with Paisley Park. Yeah, I went to Paisley, and they were all set up just like you and I set up in this in this little room, and they pull up an amp for me. I think I might have bought an amp, and I had a little pedal board, and he walked in and. Yeah, and I'm trying to because they told me they said don't look at him, you know, don't look at him, don't say anything to him. <laughs> so I'm trying, so I'm trying to sit there. Don't, don't, like Prince, that's Prince sitting over there, you know. Can, can you look at him for like a half a second? Well, back then, you could. You can now. He's yeah. he's more right. regular now than he's ever been. But back <laughs> then, you couldn't look at him. They like literally did not want you to look at him. I mean, Think about it, Jude. Prince has his presence when he walks in a room. It's like you're seeing a two-headed, uh, you know, something. You know, you just you're just sitting there. You're looking. You're waiting for him to explode or something you know you just yeah. and i always tell people yes he shits he eats he sleeps just like we do you know but yeah. whatever people will see him when you see him you just you're just looking at him you don't even blink because right. you he's right there you know and you're like yeah. wow he's he's right there man i met when i met steve by steve came steve was doing the g2 g3 or something one of those g's and he <laughs> came to a prince show and afterwards we have an after party and i met people like the steve i would i went over i was like oh my god steve and i met him and he was like Man, it's Prince right there. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, can you introduce me to him? I said, go over there and just say hi to him. He's like, I'm not going to go say hi to him. <laughs> you know, because, right. you know, that's the, the the presence this man has. I'm like, you a freaking Steve. I go say hi to him. I played with them the next day. I, I think I told you that story. I played. Um, G3 or? Yeah, I went to the, the show the next day. He invited the whole band. Me and Rhonda and Kat went. It was Kenny, Wayne Shepherd, Satriani, Fripp, Steve. And they called my ass up to play. <laughs> they took an intermission. You know, Steve, uh, let's see, who played? Steve played, and Satch was closing the show. And they had a everybody come on stage moment at the end. Right. Man, they called me up for three songs, man, I swear. It's making me uh, almost, I get lightheaded just thinking about it. I almost fainted. So I'm standing between Vi and Kenny Wayne, oh, Vi and, and Satch. And, man, I'm, my knees were shaking. You, you should have been able to see my knees clicking together. And I was playing one of Steve's guitars, and we did, like, three blues songs, and everybody everybody just took 12 bars, you know? It was cool. That was a, that was a moment in time. <laughs> but, Definitely, man. Yeah, that was a, that was a moment in time. Where uh, was that? What city? We're in Frisco. Yeah. Now, so you walk into Prince's Yeah, walk in, I walk in there. So Prince, not so I'm set up. He comes in. He, he doesn't say anything to me. He comes in, and they start jamming. And I saw, you know, I just jumped in trying to get funky. And he goes, you know, he took a solo, you know, Cat took a solo, you know, Morris Hayes took a solo. And I just, I just tried to tear the ass out of it, you know, as best I could. And then uh, we jammed some other stuff and he kept letting me solo. And he was just like, <laughs> I could tell he, he was over the court. He was like, yeah. And he was, he was like, he was giving fire to Cat and shit. And he was like, he was like yeah. So, so um, I came back. I rehearsed it on Wednesday, Thursday. And Friday, so Friday they're talking about, they were like, yeah, so um, be here tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. for the tour bus leaving. And I'm still sitting there. I'm like, so he walks on. I said, am, am I in the band? And the drummer, my friend, he's like, yeah, man, you're, you're in. I'm like, nobody said anything. You know, we didn't discuss money or anything. We just, you know, they're just telling me to be at the tour bus the next day. So I got him. It, it started. It, it, I was on the band. I was in with the band. He never said, welcome to the band. Right. That, I just kept coming back for rehearsals, you know, and next thing I knew, I was on the road with them. What year was that? That was 90, 
five. So what was your first show like? Uh, in D.C., in my hometown, nice which was sure. amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. Go first, from stashing your food in the snow like a bear and hibernating all the Hey, look, all I know, Jude, let me tell you, this, here's the, 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 the rest of the story. So the, after we did that first gig, uh, I, I think we did one, one city before that, and then we did D.C., and me and Prince hadn't, hadn't talked. We hadn't even talked. So I, I got I saw him and I said, uh, you know, we haven't discussed uh, salary or anything, and, you know. And he said, uh, hey, write, uh, write Mike a check. Uh, and so the guy gave me the check and I looked at it. And I said, am I, am I supposed to pay the whole band with this? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that was the first check with him. And I was like, I had never made that much money, man. It was uh, that was that was sweet. <laughs> that yeah. was, I walk around with that check in my pocket, couldn't cash it anywhere. I didn't know what to do with it. I had never seen that much. I had never made that much money in my entire career. Yeah, so. I heard he takes care of his band members. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. So let's play another Prince tune, another groove or a riff. Okay. Uh, I keep dropping picks over here. You keep dropping those picks because they're so huge. <laughs> what kind of pick is that, man? It's a Dunlop 2.0. I've been playing those picks since the dawn time. It's I don't un- know why. It's a bass pick. It's unbreakable, but it's... Got the beveled edge because it's so thick it turns into, (laughs) you know, for the uh, fast stuff. It's right there though, you know, for the for me, the flappier flappier picks are. uh, What do you use? Use a. This is like a point seven three. No, this is a third as thick. (laughs) Okay. From it's like a yellow Dunlop, basically tortet. You know the other uh, favorite Prince song for people is uh, that one. Now, how do you play the first chord? It's uh. I love that roto vibe pedal. These are the chords that Wendy played on the record. How do you play Purple Rain? Well, I mean, but I'm clearly missing a note. Like, I'm just doing the uh, bar chord. But that's what I'm trying to tell you. We never used to, I used to play that chord. I don't know if that's the chord that Wendy was just playing. But see, Prince had this knack of doing this thing. Like, if you played, a, say, if you played just an A, yeah. he would do, he would add that in. Yeah. So, yeah. And he's getting out of that. So he probably added, Wendy probably just played that chord and he added that. He's putting a third in the bass because the basses are holding the root. And then on the record, she does something like a, uh, what was the chord? She does that chord. And that's a live track, actually. Purple Rain was recorded live yeah. in the club. Yeah. And they just made it sound like a studio song. Yeah. That actual song. So if you play play Purple Rain, play it the way you play it. Thank you. 
Tiro. Yeah, but I would do that thing over top. And I love how the, at the end of that song, I mean, he has so many hooks coming in. He's got the... Yeah. Yeah. And he's got the other one. Yeah, he was the hook. He was the hook meister. Right, the yeah. other one on top of that. Yeah. What would you be doing at the end of the big section? I would just be holding down the rhythm. Dude, I love what you're doing underneath there. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a that was a fun gig. What was the one of the funkier ones we used to do? Oh, that dude, it's so where oh, to even start? There's so many. Here's one that used to be nice on guitar. It was a uh, dance music, sex romance. And one of Prince's favorite things was chicken grease. song he used to do that i used to love that we did was uh that was funky by the way <laughs> yeah that was uh one of his guitar lines uh what was that song computer blue Ba-dum, ba-dum. oh yeah yeah man, i, I know that play one that yeah, live, man that's got song. that cool breaking it's yeah 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 that <laughs> play that again <laughs> what is it yeah I'm glad you can play that. I, dude, I can't quite remember that song. But, uh, <laughs> I can't either. Got that killer break yeah, in it. Yeah, got a killer. Got a killer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah, that. Moves yeah, up, that. To, a, moves <laughs> up <laughs> to a weird key and. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> what about? Did you guys ever play like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. got the easy part
another song that used to be fun was uh, She's Always In My Hair. Whenever I feel like giving up Whenever my sunshine turns to rain If you don't know that one, man, that's one of the <laughs> Google that. Well, actually, you really can't find Prince's songs by Googling them. Oh. You got to you you buy them. You got to buy them, yeah. <laughs> now, what was it like on stage? Well, you guys had some cool stages. When I saw you, it was like a big stage in the round. Yeah. And you guys were that, all uh, over the stage. Musicology tour. Musicology. And yeah, I remember when uh, you did the first uh, interview with me, and I was telling you, uh, I told you that he said he would kick my ass. But I think when I said it, you you didn't misquote it. You just when you interpreted it, it was different than what I said. Because I, I used to when I used to get in the band. When I got in the band, I used to play like these really. I was playing a lot of fusion shit. I was listening to Scott Henderson and uh, yeah. cats like that. So I was doing a lot of crazy uh, notes and uh, out shit. And he was like, "Man, I'll play one note and kick your ass on stage." You know, he like, right. I'll just I'll just hold oh, right, a long right. note and right. throw my head back. And he said, "You play all those notes." And he said, "In the arena." <laughs> It just it just goes over the heads. So so when I told you that you know you wrote oh, it, then you wrote it. No, it was cool. He saw he he approved the article. He he you remember he had to, he had to approve it before you guys released it. Really, you know, I do. Was that me? I don't know if I wrote that one. Uh, was that you? I, I did the Justin Timberlake one. Oh yeah, that was um, afterwards. No, we won't was... mention his name. No. <laughs> But you know what? You know why? Let me tell you. I can tell you exactly why that quote didn't come out exactly as it was spoken. Because Prince would not allow any recording in the interview. He had to write down everything by hand. He had to write down with a ballpoint pen or whatever the entire interview. Yeah. Which is well, interesting because he doesn't want a recording out there of this. Of yeah, the he didn't want a recording of his voice. He didn't want to. But you know what? People were recording our rehearsals. Man, us people recording our gigs. People were recording the rehearsal. Somebody in the camp was recording rehearsals and releasing them as bootlegs, and he was hot. He was hot as cayenne pepper, as Morris Hayes used to say. And uh, the gigs we would do, they would be outside selling them before we could get to the tour bus. It'd be a guy out there selling bootlegs of the concert. At one time, there was this cat. He was standing in front of one of the uh, speakers' columns, and he had on a turban, and he was standing. Everybody else partying. This dude was just standing there with glasses on. And Prince said, he told the security, go, go get that guy. <laughs> and they went and got him. He had a hole. He had, he had inside a, his turban? He had a microphone and all kind of shit on recording. He had a recording gear and a mic <laughs> in the turban. But he was just standing in front of the speaker, you know. Everybody else partying like crazy and he just standing there. Standing still. Man, yeah. he got popped. Yeah, he got popped. He got popped major. <laughs> nice yeah. try. Yeah, but yeah, he didn't like his voice being recorded. Man, one time. Here's another story for you. One time, because he used to let us, he used to let us record rehearsals. Like, if we learned a phrase that was crazy, he wouldn't want us to record. He would always make us remember stuff. But he would tell the whole band, okay, uh, you guys can't record now. And we were supposed to hit the recorder player when he said it. So he started playing, and I reached over and hit it early. Stop, stop, stop. Why'd you just do that? Man, it ended rehearsal. He got up, he stormed out, he was pissed. And then when we had, that was a Friday, rehearsal was over, and he was storming out, nobody knew what was wrong. And I came to pack my stuff up, and my recorder was missing. Yo, I couldn't find a little tape recorder. It was inside his piano. Uh, one of the texts said, man, he put it in his piano, dude. And I knew then what had happened. So they were like, man. Because he, he said, he said, why would you touch your recorder? You know, Because he was playing. Right. And he was talking. So I hit my recorder because I knew I couldn't hit it while I was playing. So I hit it. Once he counted the song off, I hit my recorder. Man, so Monday we came in. We came in for rehearsal, and as soon as I walked in, they were like, Prince wants to speak to you on the phone. 
So I went to the phone. He said, um, why did you, why were you recording my voice and my guitar? I said, I wasn't. I was just, I, I knew I couldn't hit my recorder, you know, while I was playing. When you, and I wanted to miss my cue. So I hit it as soon as you counted it off. And he was like, um, so you weren't trying to record my voice and my guitar? And I said, no. And I said, well, I said, I got an uh, idea for you. I said, why don't you record and give us all copies? That way you won't have that problem. <laughs> and he said, and he hung up the phone. So then we got the pearls. He's like, yes, I'll be recording from now on. And, you know, I'll give you guys copies. <laughs> what, was, what did he teach you about playing funk guitar? I mean, he's the man. Uh, the most important thing Prince has ever taught me and every musician he's ever had in his band, and I swear it's so important, don't play one note extra and stay in your lane. So if you're playing that... Uh, Don't play one extra note. And don't add in any fills. Don't do any. Stay in your pocket. Bass player, stay in your pocket. Drummer, hold a groove. Keyboard player, play your one part. If the keyboard player is just going two, three, four, one. If the keyboard player is just doing that, you just play that. Two, three, four, one. You play that. Don't play another note. <laughs> and man, when you hear it back, it's so funky. So clean. It's like James. You know, I know you listen to James Brown. Oh, yeah. James Brown band members stayed in their lane. Yeah, they sit there all day long. They sit there all day long, holding their groove. Yeah. Funky man, yeah, you just got a whole. So but the, eventually, it has to change after well, five, ten minutes. He would add the changes. He then would do everything that would variate. But if the band held their groove down, we would hear it back. Man, it'd be so funky. Yeah, just funky and clean. Rather than a drummer trying to do a roll the same time, a bass player trying to do a roll the same time, a guitar player doing a fill. Right. You know, same time he's trying to sing a riff. It would just be clean and neat and funky. That's the secret. But you would get tired of holding uh, for like a half hour on one song. Yeah. Because sometimes that's all I would play. <laughs> okay, what's the, yeah. What's the bass line under that? You're already tired of it, right? Uh, like, uh, like, let's say... Uh, Fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, uh, yeah, I'm more like a uh, five hundred dollars. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, the fines. You're adjusting for inflation yeah, from but, the James Brown days. Yeah, yeah. But imagine playing that for the next five minutes. It's hard to imagine. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, but, but you would have to do it. You guys are grooving up there, dude. Just dancing, and you had like a cool suit on, cool clothes. <laughs> nothing cool about it. It was hot. <laughs> you wearing a a full suit with a tie and a button up shirt with a hat on and 
yeah. a vest and a, a, a three-piece suit. I had a giant fan blowing on me at all times. Did anything, any crazy mishaps ever happen on a print stage? I'm always fascinated with these big shows because there's always something that can go weird on a night. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, there's so many. There were so many mishaps. It well, happens. It's part of life. Just yeah, but but not not in his camp. It's just it's unacceptable. <laughs> no, uh, mishaps are not supposed to happen. One right. uh, one thing, I don't know if I should go public with this. Oh, he might find it funny. What the hell? I'm not gonna name any names. There was a very popular tech working for him at this one point, and we were playing in uh, Europe using that 220 the 220 power and me and prince at that time we had racks we had like i had like three uh four foot racks full of gear and he had like three or four and he was playing saldano stuff man his rig was breathing fire and i was using uh mesa boogie uh power amp uh running stereo with all these you know even tides and all this crap in the rack and uh you know, the, the crew is always saying, you know, the, the man is on the move. You know, he's leaving the hotel. He's on his way. So, you know, the tech was having a problem getting a buzz out. You know, that 220, you run into yeah. that 220 problem. And, he, you know, that's unacceptable. His rig blew up. And Uh-oh. he was, his limo had just pulled up. And they were like, uh, Prince is coming in the building. And his tech collapsed on the floor because he was on his way up. And they all stand there like, oh my God, what are we going to do? You know, stage man, they're like, what are we going to do? Because as soon as he walks in, we're going to start playing. You know, the band's already in place and he's, you know, we're listening in an in-ears and like, you know, he's, he's, he's coming in the building. Yep. Tech fell out, man, just like, like ready to die. Passed out of stress. And I said, I said, they were all standing around like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I said, plug him into my rig. They were like, yeah, because he only played on the first song. And then, you know, they could sort it out then. They plugged him in. <laughs> they plugged him <laughs> in the first song. And I'm playing through like some Fender Twin or something. And he comes, so we're, we're jamming. He comes over. He said, My rig sounds amazing, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you loving it. Man. And we had, I had the biggest laugh. And to this day, he doesn't know that. So, Prince, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry. <laughs> he said, My rig sounds amazing. Now, you also perform with one of the biggest singers in the world, Justin Timberlake. Yeah. How did, how did you end up? He had Prince's drummer, and I guess he needed a bass player, and the bass player was the cousin of the guitar player he already had, and the guitar player was from his NSYNC band. The whole band was kind of uh, the MD, and some of the other members were from NSYNC. Yeah. So the guitar player, Skip Dorsey. Yeah, Skip. Um, yeah, you know Skip. Skip. Well, you introduced me to him, yeah. Yeah, his bass, the bass player Justin had then was Skip's cousin. So John Blackwell was there, and Skip's cousin was there. Actually, we have a uh, we have a Native Instruments uh, thing online. It says Prince Band jamming, and it's it's uh, me and Kevin Walker and John Blackwell and Charles Wilson. We're all from we're all with uh, Justin then, but they call us the Prince yeah. Band. But anyway, so since John and Kevin were there, and we all had been doing Prince. When Justin was getting hold guitar auditions, they called me, and they said, "Man, uh, it was a Sunday when they called. They said Justin's, you know, having guitar player auditions this Friday. I flew out on Monday, and I hung out at Center Stage Monday, Tuesday, and on Wednesday I was just hanging out with the band at Center Stage, and Justin was there, and uh, the, the MD probably, I guess Justin probably said, "Who's this guy? You know, he's." 
And Justin said, oh, he's a, the MD said, Kevin now, Antunes, he said, this guy's going to audition Friday for the guitar auditions. And Justin was like, Let's hear him now, he's here. Once again, a window of opportunity. If I had waited for Friday, I probably wouldn't have got that gig. Because somebody like you would have probably got it. <laughs> but <laughs> I went kind, on an audition man. that Wednesday, and Justin said, cancel the auditions. You know, this guy's Found hired. Guy. Yeah. And so Kevin Antunes, who uh, is the MD with Madonna right now, he said, man, you just made a lot of people mad. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people were going to audition on that Friday for that gig. Oh, yeah. They're running the tunes all week. But I was like, I'm not going to wait till Friday. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out there now, you know, and get that gig, you know. He has some cool jams too. Do you guys ever play that song Rock Your Body or whatever? Rock Your Body, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hold up, man. Hold up. Hold up. You making me mad now. <laughs> we gotta we gotta go. To uh oh, he's yeah. he's switching guitars. That's one of uh Justin's funkier grooves for a guitar player. Got so, kind of that Nile Rodgers chic kind of thing. Yeah, you play Bernard that, Edwards. and I'll play the part I was playing. Because that's the part Skip used to play, that right there. The high chords? Yeah, and I was playing. Uh, the cool thing about the first Justin gig, Skip was already on the gig, so I got to do a lot of my own crap. So you play that thing right there. Then I come in. So I was telling you about this strat right here, right? Yeah. This is uh, the Good. dude. Listen so to this. Wait, uh, you've got a five-way strat, five-way strat um, switch on there, and then you've also got the three little mini switches. Yeah, the mini switches do this, the the parallel. That's a sparkly tone. Right That's there. that tone, man. Yeah, this is David Williams' setup on this Strat. The guy that did David Williams' guitar did this. And you know, that was Michael's guitar player forever. So you had a tech make the guitar to same specs? This is your plan. Well, no, actually, um, he sent it to the company uh, in L.A., and they just took the whole pick guard off and put... The, his pick guard on it. Oh, that beats sending the whole guitar out. Yeah. Just send the pick guard with all the. Yeah. Cousins, all the <laughs> yeah. And he wired it up David Williams style. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it's uh, got a push pull pot. Neck is different from the warm up neck you're using, though, right? It's like it's a little V shape or something? Hmm? The V shape in the back, kind of? Yeah, it's, it's uh, well, it's, 
it's, it's a little, little bit. rounder. Yeah. Is that one V? Or is that one no. flat? It's round. Oh, okay. No finish. <laughs> Just finished with like sandwich grease. <laughs> you know, that's the best finish for a hey. <laughs> Beats that uh, other stuff that, uh, what's that slippery stuff everybody used to use back in the day? This is finished with deli tray <laughs> grease. <laughs> what's that stuff you spray on the neck? Oh, but man. on the strings. I don't know. Finger, Fast fingers on. Finger ease or. Yeah, finger ease, yeah. P loves that stuff. He he loves that. I, man, do that thing you do right there. Go ahead. Yeah, I know you just kill on that. No, go. Sharp, did you get? Did you get? If you do, you obviously you must have done uh, let's go crazy all the time with Prince. Let's go crazy, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, no, that was one of the songs he would have me sit out. I used to play it, but then he had because it's only that one, you know, just that one main guitar, yeah, yeah, there was nothing. I like how you play it. No, because uh, since we when we used to do it with the two guitars, yeah, you know, I had to variate from him. So if he was doing what you're playing, I would do something to match yeah. him. So the Greg House stuff oh. we were talking about, right? <laughs> That's a jam right there. <laughs> yeah, man, it sounds like you've been playing a lot of these songs uh, in your in your uh, on your other gig. Well, I'm, 
I'm a huge Prince fan. You know, I actually had a tribute band. Someone came up to me who put bands together. He's like, dude, I want you you and some people to create a band. It'll be all women in front, four women singing Prince songs, and it'll be called Princess. Really? So we did a princess band. <laughs> it was Seriously? pretty cool. There's a new one in L.A. now with this, this actor's running. I was like, hey, you got that idea from us. Princess. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know if she did. Princess, but we did all the Prince jams, like Controversy. I love that tune. Dude, you're a funky man, man. Oh man, just trying to relax. Funky Try to relax man. and get into it. You know, you got playing with you and get the, all the mics going. Everything. It's hard to just relax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you always seem to just relax right into the. No man, you see me over here breaking this way. You got the, what so many guitar players want, which is you just start playing and it's just grooving from the second you hit the first note. I'm telling you, man. So many guitar players, they they're just fascinated by funk or groove guitar. It's one of the most popular classes at MI. You know, yeah. everyone wants to learn how to. Play funk, and it's yeah. hard to teach. You just got to do the gigs. So like you yeah. got to learn that on stage. It's like a thing you just got to feel. I mean, uh, but see, growing up in a, a period with uh, listening to stuff like Ohio Players and uh, Graham Central Station, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, oh, these totally. kids ain't getting none of that. If they would go back and listen, even Nile Rogers with the chic stuff, uh, like uh, what's that thing he does? Uh,
that's like a, that's a rhythm lesson right there, you know. Yeah. And then there's yeah. like stuff like uh, I know you remember Ohio players. You, yeah. You were young. You were young fella. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do what you're doing. Do what you're doing. Keep it going. Just want to say thanks, man, for doing this. Hey, man, my pleasure. Do that thing again. That's your friend and mine, Mike Scott. Everything he touches turns to funk. You can keep up with him online. Say hi to him at immikescott.com. Love hanging out with him. Just listening to that, I think, makes anybody a funkier player. I know I feel like I'm .00001% funkier having jammed with him for an hour or more. Too cool. Thanks, Mike, for breaking off the funk for the people. It was cool to hear Mike mentioned last week in Nita Strauss's episode when she uh, mentioned that she had toured with him and got a lot of tips and coaching from him when they were both with Jermaine Jackson on that tour they did in Africa backing Jermaine. Of course, I will post photos and videos of our hang on the No Guitar Is Safe Facebook page. Just type that into the top of Facebook and come say hi. We've got a good community going there now. All you No Guitar Is Safers really appreciate the support it's growing every week numbers are up and if there's an episode with somebody you have not heard of i really hope you'll check that one out too because i really strive to bring you valuable guitar content that will inform and inspire and encourage and give you insights into how various guitar players have quote unquote made it how they've developed a professional career doing what we all love to do which is play guitar because come on there's nothing cooler than playing guitar nothing okay maybe surfing in hawaii but no no there's there's nothing i mean maybe hitting a grand slam at yankee stadium but no there's really nothing cooler than playing guitar i really can't think of it maybe being the first guy step on the moon that's about it 
And I hope that all of you still check out Guitar Player Magazine. Don't underestimate print. I mean, the inter-Google web is all great and everything, but sometimes it's really nice to take your eyes off an LCD screen and just read some content that has been crafted and cultivated and culled for you and edited and put together for you so that you'll learn all about the latest guitars and guitarists and gear. And that, of course, is Guitar Player Magazine. Thanks to them. Thanks to Bill Amstutz and Michael Melinda at Guitar Player. Thanks to Zoom for their awesome Zoom H6 Handy Recorder that I use for these interviews. And thanks to Adam Johnson for helping me edit this one together. Next week, got a great show for you as well. As usual, it's a Halloween episode. And who better for a Halloween episode than John 5? I promise you, I'm not just saying this is a really great interview. Great stories, great playing. All right, I'll see you next week. Thanks for your support. Keep it alive till you're 95.